whether pagan influences or appropriation is an issue in secular or even religious holidays. What's you going to do then? Well, that's what I've been sitting here contemplating. First, I'm going to deliver this case to Marcellus. Then, basically, I'm just going to walk the earth. What you mean, walk the earth? You know, like Cain in Kung Fu. Walk from place to place, meet people, get in adventures. And how long do you intend to walk the earth? Till God puts me where he wants me to be. And what if you don't do that? If it takes forever, then I'll walk forever. Welcome to Walk the Earth. I'm Greg. This particular question is being timed specifically for late September, or more likely early October, because I'm going to end it with my perspective on Halloween, because obviously Halloween is one of the key elements of this question. We're going to look today at pagan influences in holidays, but I know that I'm really begging the question here. It's not much of a question to answer to say whether paganism has had an influence over traditional American holidays, including Christian religious holidays. That one's the easy part. No, what I want to spend most of my time on is asking about whether it matters. And perhaps at the very end, I'll spend even a little bit more time asking whether it matters about Halloween in particular. Because although this Walk the Earth is going to start the month of October here in the year 2015, seriously, Inappropriate Conversations is probably going to spend most of the month having a lot of fun, and having a lot of fun with Halloween as a concept. There will be sound collages, or as I've been saying lately, sort of jokingly but menacingly online, there will be music. But first, to the question, and maybe the question inside the question, does pagan influence have a role to play in American holidays, Christian holidays in particular? And first, we probably should start with a simple definition. I'll use Wikipedia again and just let it uh, define the term paganism for us a term that developed among the Christian community of Southern Europe during late antiquity to describe religions other than their own, or Judaism. Throughout Christendom, it continued to be used, typically in a derogatory sense. In the 19th century, it was readopted as a self-descriptor by members of various artistic groups inspired by the ancient world. In the 20th century, it came to be applied as a self-description by practitioners of contemporary pagan or neo-pagan religious movements. So, if you go all the way back to the point where polytheism was the norm, and where the religions that would have sprung from Rome and Greece were common, it's easy to see why there would be a, a strong pagan influence in a religion like Christianity, which sprung to existence in the midst of all that. I think I've shared before from Acts chapter 17, where Paul finally, on his travels, gets as far as Athens and sees a city that is rife with one temple after another to various different, often competing gods. And he speaks to it at the educational center of Athens, trying to make a comparison to the gospel message he was going to provide and the climate in which he was going to provide that message. So it is obvious that paganism has been around, or that there's a role for pagan influence. But what you end up with are two extremes that I frankly want to reject. One is the idea from perhaps the uh, agnostic or atheist left, that because there is this connection between certain ancient views, views that far predate Christianity and perhaps even Judaism, and that the holidays are timed to align in a certain way, means that there's something invalid about the celebration of those holidays. So you get one push to reject the celebration of Christian holidays because the Christian holidays have appropriated pagan views and pagan 
traditions over the years. But the other competing idea comes from within what I would describe as fundamentalist Christianity, and that, in some ways, very much in agreement with the opposite extreme. This is the point in the political spectrum where if you look at it not as a line but more as a circle, you get to a place where the radical right and the radical left are actually very, very close to each other in philosophy, with perhaps only uh, anarchy separating them, because they both share a, a common set of presumed opinions, but act on them very differently from within, again, the extreme polar views of the political spectrum. And in this case, the uh, far, let's call it the far right wing, would acknowledge as well that there's a lot of paganism inside all of these holidays, and therefore there's a Christian movement to say we shouldn't celebrate these holidays because we're being tricked by the devil, or something along those lines. I want to be on the far extreme other end of the radicals here, and despite the fact that politically I've often described myself in the past as being a radical moderate, I think the moderate tends to win there. In other words, a Radical in this sense only means that I'm not a disinterested centrist. I, I don't have a uh, apathetic or lazy point of view. I'm fully engaged, in other words. But I'm fully engaged as a moderate. So I first don't see any reason why it's any big deal, one way or the other, to celebrate these holidays. And I'll get to it at the very end. Even in terms of perhaps from the uh, far-right fundamentalist Christian perspective, talking about why it's no big deal to celebrate what for them would perhaps be the most controversial holiday of all. But let's go with the less controversial ones at first, because I think that probably it makes sense to suggest that for Christians to stop celebrating Christmas and Easter would be patently silly. So I'm looking over at that religious right side where they get a little bit radical and, and talk about not celebrating things because it's dishonoring to God to remember Jesus in these ways. Uh, I'm just going to call that silly, put a pin in it, and come back to it for later, and deal instead with the question of whether or not it's a big deal that we don't know when Christmas or the birth of Christ truly happened, and therefore it's not a big deal if that holiday was pegged in a time in the ancient world, in Constantine's Rome, for example, when people might be off work already. But I get ahead of myself. I want to start by looking at how others have answered this question. Online, there's a uh, blog called gracethroughfaith.com. I don't know anything about the blogger, so I can't recommend either way. I just think the question that some anonymous person is asking sets up my answer, so I'll share the question worded from somebody else's perspective, because I think that there's a lot of connection here. Here's what is written on their December 13th, 2013 blog entry for, under the headline, The Pagan Origin of Christian Holidays. Question. I've been considering the issue of pagan holy days being repackaged by the Christian church. My tendency in my faith walk is to fall into legalism, following an outward practice that I am a better Christian because of it. This, of course, is not me. Remember, I'm reading somebody else's words. Since I know it is a pitfall for me, I am cautious to change my outward practice until I am certain that it is the best way. For example, while the Christian church celebrates Easter and not Passover— does the very act of celebrating Christ's death and resurrection not somehow redeem the fact that it might not be on the right day or have questionable beginnings and the inclusion of pagan elements? I've attempted to discuss this issue with several friends who are believers, and they tend to roll their eyes at my comments. Do you have any insights on this? So he's asking a blogger online, a Grace Through Faith blogger, the question. And the blogger kind of has a little bit of hit or miss. Part of it is, Acknowledging that, yes, these two holidays in particular 
were once part of, in the words of the uh, the blogger, the most excessive displays of pagan revelry characterized by behavior that was specifically forbidden by God. So you've got somebody who is tempted to dip into legalism, asking a question of somebody who's more than happy to push him over into legalism. And he he does acknowledge that there were a period of several years, hundreds of years, where some Christians have refused to celebrate either holiday. He says, now, these holidays have been accepted to a point where to question them invites ridicule. As far as the Lord's birth is concerned, quoting this blogger, the actual date is unknown, although an early fall time frame seems most likely. The way the holiday is celebrated is another matter. Commercialism, overindulgence, prominence of pagan symbols like evergreen trees, mistletoe, and Santa Claus, the all-knowing, omnipresent father figure who rewards kids based on their behavior, have no place in the celebration of the Lord's arrival on earth. Giving each other gifts to celebrate his birth is one thing, but pretending they came from a false god named Santa as a reward for good behavior is quite another. Just based on this piece of the answer alone, I think it's interesting that some people might hear this and say, okay, Greg has gone out and found the extreme. Actually, no. I think when you look at that sort of anti-paganism worldview, I'm, I'm dealing with a moderate here. Easter does the same thing, and here's where the, the writer makes a mistake. First quote, Where Easter is concerned, the very name comes from the Babylonian fertility god Ishtar, and the main attractions are eggs and rabbits, which are symbols of fertility. It's an answer that's sort of almost right. So I'm going to leave this writer, because this writer has kind of committed the problem of being almost right. And let me go to another blogger, who I think perhaps may have better information, or some of the same information, but draws what I think is maybe even a worse conclusion. This blog is by Lorraine Day, Identified as a medical doctor, the blog is called goodnewsaboutgod.com. This is slash studies slash holidays, too. Her answer to the question, Christmas, is it Christian or pagan, goes like this. The Bible does not tell us when Jesus was born. However, we do know that the angels announced the birth of Christ to Bethlehem to shepherds in the open fields who were tending their flocks by night. This fact certainly implies that the birth of Jesus could not have been on the 25th of December. The cold of night in Palestine between December and February is very piercing, and it is not customary for the shepherds of Judea to watch their flocks in open fields later than about the end of October, according to a history called the Two Babylons. It is beyond doubt that Christmas was originated as a pagan festival. The time of year and the ceremonies with which it's still celebrated prove its origins. Isis, the Egyptian title for the Queen of Heaven gave birth to a son at this very time and about that time of the winter solstice. The term Yule is the Chaldean word for infant or little child. This pagan festival not only commemorated the figurative birthday of the sun and its renewal of its course, but it was also celebrated on December 24th among the Sabaeans of Arabia as the birthday of the Lord Moon. So, just to cut to the chase, there were a lot of celebrations in that part of the world, at the time that Christianity was growing and developing, that were aligned with celebrating the end of the longest night and the beginning of the pattern of the sun returning and sort of the middle of winter kind of thing. There's a Roman role as well for for Saturnalia, too. The interesting thing about this blog, though, is once again, the conclusions that are raised about what it means if the origins of the festival have more of a political bent than a truly religious bent. If the idea was a powerful Roman leader trying to unify two different worldviews at one particular time for one, you know, one celebration where each one could be rec- representing their own personal spirituality at the same time. Quoting once again, according to a Roman almanac, 
The Christian festival of Christmas was celebrated in Rome by A.D. 336. During the 4th century, the celebration of Christ's birth on December 25th was gradually adopted by most Eastern churches in Jerusalem. Opposition to Christmas lasted longer, but it was subsequently accepted. The traditional customs connected with Christmas have developed from several sources as a result of the coincidence of the celebration of the birth of Christ with the pagan agricultural and solar observances at midwinter. December 25th was regarded as the birth date of the Iranian mystery god Mithra, the son of righteousness. The ecclesiastical calendar retains numerous remnants of pre-Christian festivals, notably Christmas, which blends elements including both the feast of the Saturnalia and the birthday of the god Mithra. This is Encyclopedia Britannica, 1976. Getting back to the opinion of Dr. Day, the much-loved hero of Christmas, Santa Claus, who knows when you're sleeping, he knows when you're awake, he knows when you've been bad or good, and who can circumnavigate the globe in one night, is nothing more than the winter stag god, the god of the hunt, a takeoff on the true god of heaven, who is omnipresent, omniscient, and omnipotent. Santa has eight reindeer, Reindeer are symbolic of the pagan stag god, and the number eight is the number for a new beginning, and, when laid on its side, is the occultic symbol for infinity. I think you know, you see what you're dealing with here, because we've got occult being applied to mathematical terminology and other things. So, her conclusion. God is very clear in his directives against the celebration of this pagan holiday that Christians now universally celebrate as Christmas. God calls this an abomination. Christians celebrate December 25th blindly, believing they are honoring the birth of Jesus when they are, in fact, honoring the pagan god Tammuz. And she goes on about Easter as well, making some of the same mistakes in terms of ascribing everything to Ishtar. This is the kind of thing we're dealing with over there on the right side of the spectrum. The notion that there is some sort of magic ascribed to days. And it works both ways, right? So if I'm dealing with the question of whether there's a problem celebrating Christmas as it is currently aligned, it begs the question of whether aligning it more properly would provide some benefit. Now, I've shared in more detail on inappropriate conversation shows my ideas about the importance, validity, significance, and the uh, permanence of time, I guess would be the way I would word that. This might be a good opportunity for me to drop a reference, just because I have hit it about three times so far, from different angles. My theme for Inappropriate Conversation 61 was time to accept our limitations, specifically the belief in time. And then uh, I hit it a couple of years later, again looking from time, more now from the perspective of the verticality of time. And I recorded that in 2014, calling it just verticality of time in Inappropriate Conversations 143. And here very recently, as part of the conversation about the book of nature, I looked at it in Inappropriate Conversations 170, that distinction between what we might call chronological time and what theologians call chirological time, that time doesn't bear any magical significance to me. If we were to get together, in my family, for example, on the Sunday before Easter or the Sunday after Easter or two Sundays after Easter and have our own private worship service and family meal, recognizing what Easter is all about, and celebrating our family traditions and our spirituality and, and our relationship with the Lord, that would be just fine. In Christianity, there are no magic days. Therefore, it wasn't really a big deal if an emperor like Constantine moved the observation of a particular feast or festival to a different point in the calendar, especially if he was doing so to try to unify a nation. 
It's not inherently wrong to try to unify a nation, but it is a bit wrong to pretend that that unification didn't have political means and political ends to it. And in this case, all of the things that are related to the fact that, yeah, this 24th and 25th were all about celebrating Saturnalia and the Darkest Night and the Winter Solstice and all that, it's absolutely true. And to pretend otherwise, or worse, to pretend that there's actually some historical validity to the notion that Jesus of Nazareth was born in Bethlehem late on the 24th or early morning on the 25th of, of December is frankly a little bit ludicrous. I think since that time and into this day, we've added leap years and leap days. So I'm not 100% sure that if you even did the math, you'd come up with December 25th, even if December 25th was actually the right day. My point is actually that it doesn't matter. I made an argument a while back, in fact, year, first year of the show, on the question of prayer in school, and essentially said that I'm not in favor of putting kids in school on Sunday, because Sunday is obviously a day away from school for religious reasons. You could make an argument that Sunday being a day off from work for many people and a day off of school for public schools is an establishment of religion. It's an effort to make sure that kids are available to go to Sunday and Sunday school with their parents because they're not otherwise going to be in a classroom. And I would never recommend going to a seven days a week school paradigm and not having days off. And I don't see the point in moving those days off to some other part of the calendar. The reality is it's just smart to make sure that you're avoiding major attendance problems. So if Christmas is a school holiday, that's could be viewed by some, and I'd say would be a radical left perspective, that that's an attitude that looks like an establishment of religion. It might be an establishment of religion, but I don't think it's a material one. I don't think that it matters, because it also has the parallel course of being a way for school administrators to avoid the pointless hassle of massive absenteeism, especially when that absenteeism is going to be done by people who are perhaps actually trying to exercise their personal faith, in which case putting a school day on Christmas Day would be interfering with the religious practice of people more than it would be establishing some sort of religious practice within the community. Similar idea here. And Easter, same, same concept. Easter is a little bit easier because Easter is always going to fall on a Sunday. So if you respect Sunday as being a day when you're going to have a lot of absentee problems from some families who would put church ahead of school and frankly have a constitutional right to do so, then Easter's easy. Christmas, though, moves around, could fall on any day of the week because it's pegged to the 25th and not pegged to a particular Sunday. I think I'm serious when I suggest that the stakes here can be fairly high. If you lived in a certain kind of a fundamentalist family, you could find yourself in the path of a lot of grief where there are some people who've been kicked out of their churches or ostracized from their family for doing nothing more than giving their kid a chocolate bunny at Easter time. Here's a blog that deals with that other attitude, and it's an anti-cult blog called Silenced.co, and the article I'm going to look at is on a page called Page and Hyphen Origins. And under Page and Origins does the same thing of uh, that I've done already in terms of say generally describing what paganism is, but then also trying to deal directly with these aberrant Christian views, these sort of Sabbatarian groups that have come out of some cults where those cults have been dispersed, but the views have thereby been permeated among other smaller, now potentially non-denominational churches. 
with its attitude as there that because there's pagan roots to certain holidays, those holidays absolutely positively must not be practiced in the minds of those types of groups. So they start their article with the answer to the question, what's paganism? And then they start talking about the pagan route to holidays. Their answer, after kind of granting all the arguments that I've just made, falls under the heading, there's plenty of Christ in Christmas. Let me quote the intentionally anonymous authors. And let me kind of call this out for a second. If you had come out of a, again, a cultic construct like the Worldwide Church of Christ, which is different from the Church of Christ that I refer to in my journeys here on Walk the Earth, you might find yourself under attack. And these people mention that when they have in the past used their names, they've been the victim of uh, vandalism and frivolous lawsuits by people associated with these churches who probably feel like they're justified in engaging in what I would describe as somewhat violent behavior, or at least very confrontational behavior, because after all, in their minds, they're just saving a, a wayward soul. But under the heading of their argument, there's plenty of Christ in Christmas. They acknowledge the Bible doesn't give a date for the birth of Christ, and it's unlikely that December 25th would be an accurate day to celebrate his birthday if he was born at all. Prior to Christmas, there were many solar holidays revolving around the date of the winter solstice, and it's an important event to ancient societies that promised the return of spring and life. However, fundamentalists like to say that Christmas is nothing more than a repackaged version of these holidays, a supposedly Roman solstice day that took place on December 25th. The problem is, there really is no proof that this celebration actually ever existed, the birthday of the unconquered sin. Again, solstice celebrations were common during the era, but it, this isn't likely to have been one of them. Some paganism associated with Christmas can indeed be found in the Bible. The whole notion of evergreen, for example. However, rather than Christmas being a continuation of a specific pagan celebration, the holiday didn't even arise until the 4th century. It's a Christian-created holiday. In fact, before Christmas was established as the official birthday celebration for Jesus Christ, many Christians simply celebrated Epiphany on January 6th in its place. So basically, there's no consistent continuation of December 25th celebrations between the pagan tradition and early Christianity, which is why I rewarded the question the way I did. Instead of, to me, this being really about pagan influences, it's more about pagan appropriation. It's more about taking something that was already there and creating something new from it and building it on a new foundation. This article also deals with the fact that Sunday versus Saturday worship is an issue for some of these Christian cults or outcroppings of Christian cults. They say in their argument this, Sunday worship as we know it today was an invention of early Christianity in Rome, and while it bears superficial similarities to pagan sun worship, there was no known Sabbath day equivalent among ancient pagan societies. There was no single day of worship common among all those societies, and usually every day was a worship day for one god or another. While it's accurate to say that the Sabbath was never changed from Saturday in the Bible, to say that it was changed by secret pagans just isn't supported by the facts. It probably has a lot more to do with the rampant anti-Semitism of the age and the need for Christians to set themselves apart from the Jews. Easter is not derived from the Babylonian celebration of the goddess Ishtar. Instead, the word Easter derives from the Old English term Oester, referring to an Anglo-Saxon pagan goddess. See the difference? Well, maybe not. It's splitting hairs. But accuracy is important. Easter is supposed to commemorate the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the Israelite exodus from Egypt. 
Mainstream Christianity usually equates it with the Jewish Passover, though there is much dispute over the timing of this movable festival. This is a religious holiday that didn't arise until the late 2nd century after Christ. Early Christians before this didn't celebrate any specific Christian holidays, though they were aware of the Hebrew calendar. The traditional symbolism of bunnies, eggs, and other signs of fertility are certainly pagan in origin, but not from any specific celebration that was transformed into Easter, and they they have no root whatsoever in mandates from the early Roman Catholic and Eastern Orthodox churches. If anything, these traditions were practiced in peasant communities and passed down, probably as lingering echoes of the pagan rites they weren't allowed to partake upon when they converted to Christianity. The worldview of some of these radical right churches is pretty silly when it comes to its crusade against paganism, yet it has a blind spot to the pagan traditions that they partake in gleefully. The problem with trying to eliminate paganism is that it's everywhere, since its origins are tied to the development of the human psyche from the ancient times to today. Things like Mother's Day and Father's Day are good examples. There are even, allegedly, pagan influences in the Bible, and it would be a little odd for that not to be true. So, you've got one view saying we shouldn't practice these holidays because they sprung from paganism, and I think there's really good arguments for rejecting that point of view. And then you've got other views that say that these holidays have no validity and shouldn't be celebrated by intelligent Christians because they sprung from paganism. All of these beg a question of whether or not there is, in a genuinely Christian worldview, some sort of magic in the idea of these days, what these days signify, their meaningful relevance to the calendar, and if you can do something wrong by getting it wrong. Let me hit a couple of ideas as I branch my way over toward Halloween. I've got people who've worked for me historically who have been part of Eastern Orthodoxy. So even within Christianity, Christmas Day isn't celebrated always on this December 25th. Some celebrate it still on January 6th. There's also this notion in Eastern Orthodoxy that the calendar might be a little bit different, and Easter could fall at different times. This does not bother me at all, nor should it bother my friends who attend Eastern Orthodox churches. The days are unimportant because Christianity is not a belief in magic times and magic places. Now, having said that, I understand the concept of pilgrimage. I get why people want to go to Israel and Jordan and see significant Holy Land sites. But I do not feel that it is still relevant to suggest that having your sandals on on that quote-unquote holy ground could lead you to be smitten by God or smited by God. I'm not sure which one it is, to be honest. No, the truth is that we are living in an eternal now. That God's relationship with us is that we may be experiencing time in a linear way, but from God's perspective, it's an, it's an eternal now. You can celebrate Christmas any day you want to. You can celebrate Easter any week you want to. To be a Christian in some ways means that every week is a holy week. And the notion that there is one week set by either a Roman Catholic church or an Eastern Orthodox church as the holy week is, well, it goes beyond the Bible it might not even be a Christian concept at all. My wife and I made a move, as we've documented on previous Walk the Earth episodes, to a church that does not currently have a building. They are moving out of 
that have moved out of a large downtown church that actually no longer had a constituency anywhere near them and may not have had the parking to support the size of their building, even with people commuting in. In the process of making that change, they have not yet decided what exactly they're going to do with breaking ground in a new, different location, and they're meeting right now in a community center, in a health and wellness center, an exercise place. It's also maybe a stat care as well. It's a gathering of people in a place that is extremely public, which I also find to be extremely biblical, as opposed to having this notion of a, of a sacred space. I've talked in previous Walk the Earths about sanctuary and how uncomfortable I am with our modern understanding of that term. I'm not a cathedral guy. For me, a church needs to be functional, not more like a museum piece. But one of the things this church has done is, because they're meeting in a very public place where they don't own the building, and they're essentially experiencing the hospitality of the people who do own and run the place, Last year, we were approached to say, we're not going to be open on this building on December the 24th at 7 p.m. So what were you as a church planning to do when it comes to your worship service? Were you going to have a Christmas Eve service and were you going to take your Christmas Eve service somewhere else? Well, two years ago, we had already planned to do a Christmas Eve service in another church and we did, we did that. But last year, with, frankly, very little fanfare, compared to some of these extremes I've talked about in this Walk the Earth episode, with very little fanfare, we just decided, no, it makes more sense for us to celebrate Christmas on December 23rd. We'll have our Christmas Eve Eve service as a congregation. And then, if you've got people coming in from out of town who would like to go to the church of their childhood or some other church, the 24th is open and available. Or if you're traveling, you don't have to worry about missing church. If you really wanted to observe Christmas Eve with the congregation, you could do that, leave the next day, perhaps even celebrate Christmas Eve on the 24th with whatever family members you're visiting in whatever city you're traveling to. It worked perfectly, but there was a sense, a little moment of, is this going to be controversial or not? Because for some people, December 25th is a magic day, December 24th is a magic day, and December 23rd as well, not a magic day. I'm just here to say I'm very happy to be part of a congregation that doesn't perceive magic days, neither good magic days where God will bless you for being in the right place at the right time and nothing else, and also not bad magic days where handing a candy bar to a neighborhood kid who's dressed up to celebrate with the other kids in his school, the other kids in his neighborhood, can damn you for all time. It's a ridiculous notion. And while I'm going to hold on to the question of Thanksgiving, look at that perhaps next time on Walk the Earth. I want to end this episode of Walk the Earth with some strong words, perhaps even some hard words, to Christians who fall more on the right side of the political spectrum about Halloween. I'm going to do so by reading a blog entry that I placed in the very, very early days of Inappropriate Conversations. There's a couple reasons why I want to bring an Inappropriate Conversations blog article in. One is it's right on target, it's right on topic, but the other is that I'm not convinced that it's necessarily convenient for people to go to inappropriateconversations.org and read blog posts, especially not really old blog posts. Now, if you did want to read this one, read along, you certainly can. The best way to get there is to go to the date tab for October 2010. This is the October 31st blog entry, and not coincidentally either. The other way to get there would be to go to the category section, click on articles. That's where all the blogs are. That's how they're categorized. But this one being so old would mean that there'd be a lot of previous page clicking to get back to it. 
The best way is to just go to that first October of this show, the 2010. And I called the article, Doing the Devil's Bidding. And perhaps I will read it with that kind of sarcasm in my voice. Because to be honest, I know that I wrote it with that kind of sarcasm in mind. Because I was dealing with a lot of friends at the church that we went to at the time who actually did struggle with whether it was okay to hand a piece of candy to a kid dressed like Woody from Toy Story on Halloween. Or, frankly, for that matter, to hand pieces of candy to teenagers dressed like zombies. I reject the idea that there's anything important to these holidays from a date and time perspective. My answer, again, is whether pagan influences or appropriation is an issue in secular or even religious holidays... No, not really. Yes, those influences are there. More an act of appropriation than anything else. But it does not matter. What does matter is loving your neighbor as you love yourself. Going and sharing the gospel. That's what matters. So here's the article. October 31st is an excellent example of how some Christians who use spiritual warfare to oppose Satan actually act as his allies. Forces of evil need only suggest that Christians react to something, and many Christians immediately overreact. Is Halloween evil, inherently? No more than Easter or Christmas, if you only regard the roots in pagan ceremony. Do ancient Halloween rituals represent a flawed understanding of science and spirituality? Of course, as did many decisions by Christian leaders in the Middle Ages, just from astronomy alone. Should we take an essentially harmless social ritual and up the devil's ante by making it evil? Okay, evil deeds are done on this day. Evil deeds are done on every other of the 364.25 days as well. And that evil does not involve kids in costumes collecting candy. So why deny them? Here's the point. Will Satan shed a tear if we ban all storytelling or performance involving zombies, cannibalism, vampires, ghosts and spirits, or other tales of supernatural forces intervening in our world in ways that expose our human frailty? Tears of joy, perhaps. Censorship has consequences. If you know Satan is a schemer, then why fall into his trap? It's one thing to speak truth into the mockery that the evil one attempts to make of the gospel. It's either naive or sinister for so-called Christian leaders to pave the way for future laws or judicial rulings that absolutely ban the sharing of the gospel as a cult. After all, as a Christian, I believe that a man has risen from death and walked among us. That rituals involving ceremonially eating his body are a means of experiencing God's grace not to mention drinking his blood, that a symbolic simulation of drowning coming out of the water is a sign of inviting the Holy Spirit to live within our hearts and guide us until Christ comes again in supernatural power, called glory, to assume control of this fallen world. These concepts, zombies, cannibalism, vampire feedings, ghostly possessions, supernatural activity, they don't have to be scary. If we share the good news boldly and properly, the most evil thing about Halloween today may be conservative efforts to ban it. You want to stand up to the devil's lies and mockeries of our Lord? Just tell the story and let the truth set things right. This article tried to serve the purpose of reminding people that they're doing the devil's bidding every time they overreact to something. That yes, 
people make you know somewhat blasphemous or at least irreverent references to zombie Jesus. And to uh, I had a religious studies professor who actually referred to the entire Eucharist, the act of communion, the Lord's Supper, as cannibalism. He had a classroom full of students, and this was Oklahoma, so most people were far more fundamentalist religious right than I was. And they were really struggling, a lot of these sort of politically conservative students, getting through the first chapter of the World Religions book, because they were continuing to mock, somewhat openly, the views of ancient tribal and pagan cultures. So the teacher stopped and said, hang on a second, I think I hear what you guys are saying. It is really hard to take seriously a religion that has its central sacrament, its its basic ritual, built around the idea of consuming the body and drinking the blood of its dead godlike zombie. He just kind of went off on him, right? And when he was done, basically told him that one day, maybe thousands of years from now, there may be a culture that looks at the religious practices of this day as being every bit as primitive as that group of students was looking at the religious practices of a previous day. And as we've already covered on this Walk the Earth question, some of those previous day religious practices have contributed to the rituals that we perform today in our own modern, current, well-developed, less primitive theological constructs. No. I am okay handing candy bars to kids who go through the effort of dressing up to celebrate a community event called Halloween. I don't believe that there is any permanent theological consequences to a girl dressing as a Disney Frozen character, or a boy dressing as a Disney Toy Story character, or the other way around for that matter. It's all about community. And if you really want people to say, hey, That's an interesting family at the end of the cul-de-sac. They live a little bit differently than the rest of us, but they also seem extremely nice, extremely friendly. Nobody we meet is happier to see us than them. I wonder what those people are all about. I wonder what makes them tick. I wonder what makes them different. And it may just be that the kind of zombie and cannibalism that we follow as a family tends to be more like what you'd call Christianity. But at the same time, if I'm not outside giving candy bars to kids... No one ever recognizes who I am at all. I stay invisible. I'm no different because my difference is not evident. And that's, I think, the problem with segregation. I may get to this as we hit other Walk the Earth topics and questions later in this year or next, but I'm beginning to believe segregation is one of the biggest problems facing the church today. I meet far too many people in the church, including people in influential positions of power within the church, who believe in segregation. I do not believe in segregation. I do not believe in hiding my light from the world because they dress up for Halloween and they haven't earned it. Or they celebrate Easter on the wrong day. Or whatever. No. To me, I'm going to celebrate with the people who want to celebrate with me. And if in the process of getting to know people better, I seem a little weird to them. That's not a problem. That's actually... A solution. Even as you were led, please join me in prayer. Holy Spirit, I've spoken in recent questions about the importance that you, Spirit of the Living God, play in my life as I explore and answer these questions. So many people, Lord, hide from your Spirit. Not unlike the biblical account of Adam and Eve hiding from God in the early chapters of Genesis. 
because I think they know that they aren't hearing you, and that's embarrassing to them. So they find a list of rules and hide behind those instead. Lord, help me to find the appropriate line between participating and being part of the problem. Because not participating is also part of the problem. I'm convinced of this, Lord, and I'm convinced of this because you've convinced me. So as we get ready to support our community and our church in these holiday times of year when the weather gets cold and the clouds come in, um, help me to be the kind of the kind of Christian you want me to be, out loud, in public, positive, on Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, Valentine's Day and Easter, and so on. Because, Lord, every day is a holy day for you. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, God, which one of those holy days I play along as the holiday, and which one of these holy days is just between you and me. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, who rose from the dead, asked us to drink his blood and eat his body, and promises that he will come again in a very supernatural way and transform our world into something called glory. I pray. Amen. What happened this morning, man, I agree, it was peculiar. But water into wine, I... All shapes and sizes, Vincent. Don't talk to me that way, man. If my answers frighten you, Vincent, then you should cease asking scary questions. Next on Walk the Earth, whether Thanksgiving is a Christian holy day or merely a national holiday. Thanks for listening.